It is our wonderful privilege this morning to participate in the public declaration, dedication of Jonah Levi Crabb, born January 7th, 2013, weighing in at 8 pounds, 14 ounces, and 21 and a half inches long. Would you welcome the Crabb family as they come to the platform? And Phoenix, the most excited big sister here. Come on up, Phoenix. Did you guys hear her during the video? She's adorable. How fitting to do a baby dedication on Mother's Day. Amen? Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, where Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Mark says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. The disciples rebuked them, and when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, And he said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, as Phoenix walks away, and put his hands on them and blessed them. You can't leave, you're here. Today, Nick and Megan bring their precious son, Jonah, and present him to the Lord. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This morning, Nick and Megan are declaring to raise him up in the way that he should go. (laughs) Nick and Megan, I want to challenge you this morning to invest in Jonah, to spend time with him, to talk to him, to teach him, to love him. You know, this world will seek to take everything from you. It'll seek to take your time. Fight that hard. There's so many things that can come up, so many other things that can push your kids off into the background, into the, into the distance. But fight that. God has given these kids, not just Jonah, but Phoenix as well, as gifts to you. He's entrusted them into your care. So spend time with them. Invest in them. Nick, love Megan with everything in you. Megan, love Nick in return. Your love should be a picture of laying down your lives for each other. Your marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church and the church's relationship with with Christ. And so as you love each other, you'll mirror for your kids a picture of Christ's love for his people. And they'll watch you. Jonah's going to watch his dad. He's going to want to be like his dad. He's going to watch his mom. He's going to want to find a wife who's like his mom. And Phoenix is watching too. Invest in your children. Teach them and show them the love of Christ. I want to charge the parents now. Nick and Megan, having come freely, I ask now that you enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people so that Jonah may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers. Do you, Nick and Megan, vow by God's help and in partnership with the church provide Jonah a Christian home of love and peace, and to raise him in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline, and to encourage him to one day trust Jesus Christ as a Savior and Lord. If you do, please respond with, we do. We do. And I want to charge the church. Parents have the first and primary responsibility in raising their children, but parents need the help and support of the local church. Of their community. And so I direct my questions now to Glad Tidings. 
And I ask you, GTC, by being present in God's house today, do you hereby declare yourselves to be the children of God because you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life? If this is true, please respond by standing to your feet. Glad tidings, having come freely this morning, I ask now that you make the following commitment to Nick and Megan who stand before you. And I ask you, GT, so that Jonah may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help Nick and Megan be faithful to God, and to help teach and train Jonah in the ways of the Lord so that he might one day trust him as his Savior If you accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. In that you, Nick and Megan, have dedicated your son, Jonah, to the Lord, we now lend him back to you, that by the grace of God and the guidance and presence of the Holy Spirit, you will bring him up in the ways of the Lord. And now I get to get my hands on Mr. Jonah here. I've got your Jonah. Hey, see, look, he's right here. Isn't he beautiful? Hey. Would you stretch out your hands as we pray over Jonah? Lord Jesus, children are a gift from you. And we recognize that. And we thank you for this beautiful gift that you have placed into the hands of Nick and Megan. God, we pray that you would keep your hand upon him, that you would bless him, that you would keep him. God, would you keep him healthy? Would Jesus, would you guide every decision that he makes? Lord, we pray that as he watches his mom and he watches his dad, as he watches the people in this church, he would see in us something he would desire for himself, and that would be a relationship with you, that one day he would ask you to be the Lord of his life. Bless this little boy. Keep him. Protect him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join us as Lori prays over Nick and Megan and Phoenix? This morning, and we thank you so much for the outpouring of your love when you bless us as parents with our children. We thank you, Lord God, for... You don't send us out there alone. You make a way. And that's when for us to acknowledge you, Jesus Christ, as our personal saviors, and then to call upon you to help us to be the best parents we can be, Father God. Lord, we commit this family unto you. We commit them unto you, and we, and we pray your blood-covering protection over them. That as Nick and Megan, Lord God, move forward in their life, that you will give them knowledge and wisdom in how to be the best parents they can be to Phoenix and Jonah. Lord God, would you watch over this family? Would you guide them and lead them and bless them and pour your Holy Spirit upon this family, Lord? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you give them another round of applause as they take their seats? And as I keep their baby. He is sweet. I think he's going to preach with me. There you go. 
awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I got this. Go ahead. And to continue on, what a beautiful, like someone said, beautiful way to start with Mother's Day is uh, we want to uh, take a moment to dote on our mothers. And not just that, but also every lady in the house, 18 and older. This is something we like to do at Glad Tidings, and there's a reason and a purpose, and I will explain that. So if I could have right now all ladies, 18 and older, please stand. Yes, do not be afraid. Please stand. First of all, I do want to give a shout-out to the moms. Moms are awesome ladies. They are awesome. But something beautiful that I see here is that at Glad Tidings is that every lady, every lady that enters this church doors is pouring into a child from the moment you choose to walk through those doors every Sunday. Every Sunday. Because my kids have been raised up here since they were two and four, and you know what they see? They see consistency. They see faithfulness. You may, not even, you may not even have spoken to my daughter, but she's seen you. My Michael, he's seen you. He's seen your actions. He's seen you praising the Lord. He's seen you being faithful with what's been given to you. And he's seen you here. And for some of you, it's been a kind word in the bathroom or in passing. Or it's been like Sharon LeBeau taught Courtney how to use warm water on washing her hands instead of cold. See, little things like that, a kind word spoken or a smile. And don't even get me started on the teachers, okay? Those who invest in our kids, in, in crash kids, and in missionettes on Wednesday nights, and Royal Rangers, or the Commander's Kids, sorry, I'm old school. But, um, but I'm telling you, your faithfulness of coming through these doors and being here, being available, just even take a moment if you see them down for a moment and saying, how are you doing? What's going on? You have no idea how that speaks volumes to a child, that you care and your faithfulness. I want uh, to get you all up here in just a moment because we have a little gift for you, and I hope you guys don't mind helping hand them out. Um, but um, women of God are awesome ladies, but they're also, they have a co-partner that is not just their, I have to be careful in how I say this, I messed up earlier, their wonderful, awesome other half Sometimes, in some of you ladies, there is an, a, another one that's in your life that's helping you to invest in your children, and sometimes there's not. And I was raised up in a family where there wasn't a father praying for me and guiding me. But you know who was? My heavenly father. And he was doing it with the prayers of my mom. Women of God... Your prayers are powerful, huge, huge. 
Just because we can't see God there doesn't mean he doesn't hear your cry. As a married woman or as not as a married woman, you are all women of God and you all have power and influence in every child's life that you come into contact with. Every child. And that's huge. So you, women of God, and God himself are a powerful team. And then if you get to have the benefits of an awesome husband, you're just, it's just even better. But I'm telling you, we are never alone as women of God. So celebrate today that you have a part in this world, regardless of what the world says, of investing and making your mark on the world. So we want you all to come forward and to receive a gift from the two gentlemen who are going to stand here. And we have just a a pen this year that says, it's not just a pen, but it is that God blessed the world with special women like you. So take that to heart, okay? So come up and get your pen, and then Pastor Selwyn is going to pray for you all. Man, will you give them a round of applause as they come up here and and collect their, their gifts from us? And ladies, we'd ask that you would stay up here until we pray over you. We are grateful to God for all of the the wonderful women um, in this church, for our wives, for our our mothers, for our daughters. And we're a blessed church to have so many faithful women. Even as Pastor Martin has said last week, when he was preaching, he said, you know, I can see that women serving in this church is not an issue. We have so many ladies serving. But we're glad to, uh, to bless our ladies this morning. Come on up and just uh, squeeze the front if you don't mind so we can make room for the ladies that are coming down the aisle. I said this earlier, men, if you just found out it was Mother's Day right now, you are in trouble. And we'll pray for you after this. (laughs) Beads of sweat are forming on the men's foreheads. Oh, no. (laughs) Go ahead and squeeze all the way up here. All right, ladies, some of you going back to your seats. Don't go back. You've got to pray over you. You've got to stay up here. All right, men, as they're getting their, their pens, would you stretch out your hands and would you join me as we pray over these beautiful ladies that God has blessed us with and blessed this church with? Well, Jesus, we come before you. And God, we recognize that children are a gift from God, but our wives, our mothers, our daughters are a gift from you. And God, we're so grateful for their hearts of compassion. God, for their emotions, Lord Jesus, for their softer side, Lord God, for everything that makes them who they are. God, we thank you for their love of their children, God. We thank you for their service in this church and to their families and for their sacrifice, Lord God, and for the very picture they create of who you are. Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen them, God, that you would protect them, that you would bless them and keep them. And God, we pray not just for a wonderful day, but God, for a wonderful week, years, and life to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give them another round of applause as they take their seats? You may be seated. It is hard being a mom says the male pastor. But I know it is. Uh, I see all their, all their dedication. And, um, you know, it's interesting. 
that salary.com uh, just recently, in the last couple of days, wrote an article and they were talking about what a, a lady or a mom should get paid if she were to actually be paid for all the work that she does, if she were to get paid for a stay-at-home mom, if she got paid for the cleaning and, and the taking care of the children and, and just the chauffeuring and everything that she does, they determined that her pay would be $114,000 a year. And all the ladies elbowed their husbands and said, I told you, right? I see Katie going, yep, and Hector looking worried. Then they said this too, they said, and for the mom that has a secular employment outside the home, she puts in an additional 58 hours a week into work at her home with her family. And based on... um, the pay scale she should be getting, it would be an additional $68,000 a year on top of her, out, her, her secular pay. And so we recognize that, we appreciate our ladies, but no amount of money can determine your real value. Your v- real value is worth so much more than just that. And we are appreciative to God for you guys. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 30 through 31, says this, Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. And this morning we honor godly women, women who serve the Lord, women who love the Lord, women who are a mirror image of Christ. Many of us were blessed with great and special mothers. And it's so many times in life that we don't realize how special our mothers are, and we really don't truly appreciate them until we get older. Remember, as a kid, most of the time, mom was more of a drag. My mom was here first service. I had to be very careful when I said that. But when I was a kid, mom was kind of on top. Mom was always encouraging, but mom kind of, you know, She didn't give in all the time. Dad didn't give in all the time. But as you get older, you look back and you go, man, I am so grateful to the mom that God has given me. To the times that she has listened and to all that she is. And so we stand this morning and we bring honor and give honor where honor is due. We thank God for the ladies in our lives. I like what Irma Bombeck writes in her description of how God... uh, was in the act of creating mothers. And so she writes this little story. She says that on the day God created mothers, he had already worked long overtime. And an angel said to him, Lord, you sure are spending a lot of time on this one. The Lord turned and said, Have you read the specs on this model? She is supposed to be completely washable, but not plastic. She is to have 180 moving parts, all of them replaceable. She is to have a kiss that will heal everything from a broken leg to a broken heart. She is to have a lap that will disappear whenever she stands up. She is to be able to function on black coffee and leftovers. And she is supposed to have six pairs of hands. Six pairs of hands, said the angel. That's impossible. It's not the six pairs of hands that bother me, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes. 
She's supposed to have one pair that sees through closed doors so that whenever she says, what are you kids doing in there, she already knows what they're doing in there. She has another pair in the back of her head to see all the things that she is not supposed to see, but must see. And then she has one pair right in front that can look at a child that just goofed and communicate love and understanding without saying a word. That's too much, said the angel. You can't put that much into one model. Why don't you just rest for a while and resume your creating tomorrow? No, I can't, said the Lord. I'm close to creating someone very much like myself. I've already come up with a model who can heal herself when she is sick, who can feed a family of six with one pound of hamburger, and who can persuade a nine-year-old to take a shower. Then the angel looked at the model of motherhood a little more closely and said, She's too soft. Oh, but she is strong, said the Lord. You'd be surprised at how much this mother can do. Can she think? asked the angel. Not only can she think, said the Lord, but she can reason and compromise and persuade. Then the angel reached over and touched her cheek. This one has a leak, he said. I told you that you couldn't put this much into one model. That's not a leak, said the Lord, that's a tear. What's a tear for, asked the angel. Well, it's for joy, it's for sadness, it's for sorrow, it's for disappointment, it's for pride. You're a genius, said the angel, and the Lord said, oh, but I didn't put it there. I love it because it describes all that mothers are, all that mothers are to be, and all of the work that they go through, the toughness, the softness, the love, the oversight. And today, being Mother's Day all over this country, hopefully, Mother's Day's cards were given and received. And in those cards, if you look at most Hallmark cards, there are two main words used to describe good moms. Two words that seem to be constant or repetitive theme in Mother's Day's cards, and those words are selflessness and self-sacrifice. And those of us who had good moms can recall stories when we hear those words of a mother's sacrifice. Our minds go back to times, plenty of times, when they loved us more than they loved themselves. And it wasn't a one-time event. It was a lifestyle. And for many of us, it was in our moms that we could see an image of Jesus Christ. First John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so we see that Scripture tells us this is what love looks like. Love. Real love looks like the laying down of your life. Jesus loved his children so much that he gave his life. That he gave his life that his children in their darkness and in their sin and in their hurt would gain life. And so he sacrificed life, his own the life of us, 
his children. And as we reflect on the sacrifice of mothers, for those of us who who had those mothers, we can see in us, for many of us, it was the first picture of Christ we've ever seen without even recognizing it. This is what love looks like. This is a picture, an image of who Jesus is. And it's not just out of Scripture. I'm experiencing true sacrifice. I'm experiencing what love, scriptural love, looks like. Mothers are disciplinarians. Mothers are cleaning ladies. Mothers are chefs and bakers. Some mothers are gardeners and mowers of lawns. They are chauffeurs and they are coaches. They are nurses, doctors, psychologists, and counselors. And I don't mean professionally. All that in the role of a mother. Mothers are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, and shapers of attitudes. And most importantly, mothers are teachers. Each of you are a teacher. Even as Lori said this this morning, a little earlier on, whether you have children or not, you're a teacher. In this baby dedication of Jonah, we made a public declaration towards each other. We committed to each other. They committed to us, and the church committed back to them that we will fulfill our roles, our callings to be teachers. There's no way Nick and Megan, as, as awesome as they are, can be teachers in every grade and be ministers in every single ministry. And so we fill that role. We will fill the roles that their kids are in. We will fill the roles of teachers, of leaders, as guides, as pastors, as ministers in their lives. And so we too have a role in parenting and in loving and in supporting. And we too are teaching. But mothers are teachers. And Proverbs 22.6, as I read earlier in this dedication says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mothers, I want to encourage you this morning. God has given you an incredibly important and special role as a mother. Men and women are so different. Mothers, your role is so incredibly important. And your role is a picture of Jesus Christ. The way you give your life for your children is an amazing image of Christ. As you lay your life down, you are in turn giving life to your children. And so as we, as we talk about this, and, and as I commend, and I certainly commend our mothers this morning, And I take my hat off to so many mothers, outstanding mothers. And let me be clear, listen, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. You will never be a perfect mom. And you will never be a perfect dad. I don't think that was probably more illustrated me more clearly than when I was here years ago, probably eight years ago, and I was supposed to be watching Michael when he was about three. And I was with some teenagers And all of a sudden, I couldn't find Michael anywhere. Well, Michael decided he wanted to go to the playground. Michael has autism, and Michael gets one thing on his mind. He's going to go for it. And so on uh, 4th of July weekend, on a Friday, he knew there was a playground across Washington Street all the way down 
the road here. And so Michael made his way out to that playground, and he crossed Washington Street, incredibly busy Washington Street. He was almost hit four times, is what I was told. All he did was block his ears and run to the playground. That's all he could do. And he ran, and a lady grabbed him on the other side, and I thank God for his grace and for his protection. And as a dad, I was, my world was rocked for a couple of days. I, just, I was just not in a good place. And just the failure of my own part going, man, how, how could you? I didn't even want to tell Lori. Just no, didn't want to tell Lori. But I remember I felt like in a couple of days, God began to show me someone, even when you're not there, I am there. And you will not always be there all the time, but in your absence, I am always present. And I have your son. And I thank God because I fall short as a father. My wife, as much as I love and respect and appreciate, falls short as a mother. And you do too. And we all do. It's only by the grace of God and the mercy of Christ that we recognize our sins and we bring them to him. He is faithful. And in our weaknesses, he is strong. And so I thank God for his love and for his mercy. And I celebrate the mothers, faithful mothers, mothers who aren't perfect, but mothers who try. Mothers who lose their tempers and think, man, sometimes I wonder if I even love my kids because they're driving me crazy. But mothers who keep getting up and keep pushing forward. Guys, that's part of being a mother. So I'm told. Fathers, we're the same way. We make mistakes. We're not perfect, but we try. We get forgiveness. But the truth is that while there are so many who can celebrate good mothers, there's a lot that struggle with Mother's Day. You know, you would think, I guess, preaching Mother's Day, a message would be maybe easy. Hey, well, let's come in here and let's celebrate mothers. Do you know how hard Mother's Day is for so many people? It is. Mother's Day, there there are mothers who stay away from church on Mother's Day because for whatever reason, they can't face their own mothers. They can't think about that. They're so um, condemned by past decisions. They're overwhelmed. And so Mother's Day, they come face to face with failures, failures on their part, failures on their mother's part, that, that Mother's Day is heavy for them. And so when we come and do a message like this on Mother's Day, you know, to come in here and say, hey, let's talk about the faithfulness of mothers and self-sacrifice of mothers, there's probably half of you that can relate to that and the other half going, I wish I knew what that was like. And that's the reality of Mother's Day today. And the truth is, this is where we come in. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace because he forgives us and he sets us free from past decisions when we bring those decisions before him and say, God, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against my family. I've sinned in this. Would you forgive me? And God sets his people free. And then those who have had bad, bad relationships with, with, with mothers, and Mother's Day can be bitter for them. When we come and we bring that bitterness to Christ and say, God, this bitterness, I don't want this anymore because that bitterness begins to eat them up and destroy their lives. When we bring that bitterness to God, he sets us free as well. And it's very, very hard for people to do. And Lori, growing up without her father around Father's Day, was just a, a nightmare for her. She didn't even want to be around Father. She couldn't understand this picture of a father when her father wasn't there. And God, through his grace and mercy, helped her forgive her dad. And her relationship with her dad is great now. 
but she had to take the first moves and find forgiveness. And so the truth is that while there are many of us who celebrate great mothers and we celebrate great mothers this morning, that that number is getting less and less. The question is why? You know the parable where Jesus says he takes seeds and he throws them out, right? And, and, and there's three kinds of soil. I'm going to tell you why it's guessing, getting less and less. It's because the words of the world are growing up like weeds and begin to choke out the, world, the words of Christ, the words of Scripture. And so there's, there's two messages at play. There's the words of Jesus, and there's the words of the world, and they contradict each other. And people are leaving God's way and embracing the world's way. You know what really baffles me? It it confuses me how the world on one hand can celebrate a mom's selflessness in a Mother's Day card. You know what I mean? How, how, How they can celebrate and say, hey, listen, we recognize that a great character of an awesome mom is going to be selflessness and self sacrifice. And so if you pick up a Mother's Day card, a Hallmark card, you will find this kind of repeated. Hey, thank you, Mom, for always laying down your life. Thank you, Mom, for always treating us uh, you know, uh, above yourself. Thank you, Mom, for this. And so we celebrate it on Mother's Day, but it's actually the very thing that the world seems to attack and fight every other day of the week, of the year. Because what the world promotes is not selflessness. What the world promotes... Is not self-sacrifice. That's a picture of Christ. No, what the world promotes stands in contrast to that. What the world declares is, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's about your life. It's about taking care of number one first your dreams. Mom, it's, it's your dreams that are more important. What about your desires? What about your careers? What about everything that you want? What about that? Why should you have to sacrifice? Why should you have to lay down your... Why should you lose yourself and lose your identity in your family? Because the truth is so many moms will find themselves wrapped up in their kids that they go, I don't know who I am anymore. I want to tell you who you are. You're an awesome mom. And you are investing in a gift that God has given you. And there's no greater investment than doing that. And don't ever doubt And so these moms who invest are actually sometimes ridiculed by the world and attacked by the world. Even their good-intentioned friends, I'm not trying to beat up their friends, will go, you need to do more for yourself, and that may well be true. But so many times they say, no, what about your career, and what about this, and what about that? And the mom begins to feel guilty like she's a lesser person, like her worth isn't as valuable because she's at home. And so the world tends to tread on moms who are staying at home. And I'm not attacking moms who are working. And it's hard to live up here with one income. And moms who are working are going to work and and coming back and pouring into their families exhausted. But this world comes and says, it's about your dreams, it's about your wants. 
And in truth is, they've switched everything. In fact, they've actually said this. If a pregnancy comes and it's an inconvenient time for you moms, you don't have to have it. If it interferes with your, interferes with your life, you can abort. You can get rid of your own child. It amazes me how if a mom was pregnant and some brutal, horrific man or somebody were to attack her and hit her and hit her in the stomach and she would lose that child, it would be called murder. And he could actually be charged with that. And that tells me that we believe life is in the womb, yet if the same thing were to happen, if this mom chose, and this was an inconvenient time for me to have this pregnancy, it's no longer murder. It's convenience. It's not life. How does that make sense? Yet the, what the world is teaching is it's all about you. It's all about convenience. It's all about you first. And I thank God that he forgives. And we've had ladies who've gone through that. And, if it, it, you know, it doesn't just destroy a baby. It begins to destroy their lives. And I've seen God step in so many times and restore and forgive and set women free who've been through that. And I thank God for that. In no way... Am I trying to beat up women who've been through this? If God has set you free, you are free. And he has forgiven you. And if you've gone through something like that, and you're condemned in your life, and you're just, I want to tell you, you need to bring it to Christ. It doesn't make what what you did right, but when you bring it to Christ, he is faithful to forgive you and to set you free. I see too many ladies destroyed and raped. And if you don't believe me, ask the ladies who've been through this. They'll tell you, I'm just repeating their stories to me. But see, what the world says is, hey, it's all about you. It's about your life. This will bring you victory. And the very thing they said brings victory actually destroys the very people that they tell this to. Women who have these abortions suffer so much inside. So yes, in our world today, the world encourages laying down of the lives of others for the sake of your own life. So how can we live in this contradiction? How can the world say, hey, this is a good mother. This is the character of a good mother, selflessness and self-sacrifice. Yet the other side can say, no, ladies, it's all about you. And it's not just ladies, it's men too. Men, serve yourselves. You are king. It's all about you and step on whoever you need to. And so what happens in this world is, is it's harder and harder for moms or people to celebrate Mother's Day because they can't pick up a card and go, I, I just don't see this in my mom. Because people begin to fall, they begin to get entrapped in this. They begin to believe the world, and and they begin to believe the lie of Satan. Just like he came to Eve in the garden. He said, you can become like God. It'll cost you everything, it'll cost you life, but you can become like God. And so the world says, no, people, there's a better way than laying your life down. It's all about you, and if you don't take care of number one, no one else will. And it's robbing women, and it's killing their kids, and it's killing families. And men, we're not exempt from this too. The world comes at us the exact same way. So for many, mothers and fathers are embracing the world's way while forsaking Christ. You know, a few years ago, well, last year, um, when Anthony Ashley stepped down from youth group, God blessed him with another child. I was able to step in, and I wanted to step into youth group because I wanted to encounter youth ministry today. It's been six years since I've been in youth ministry, and I wanted to encounter it today, and I wanted to come face-to-face with what some of these kids are going through. And I want to tell you, a lot has changed in six years. A lot. The level of brokenness that we see in teens, especially those coming from outside the church, is high. Ask the youth leadership team. 
It is high. I see more and more kids that are, are honestly, they're raising themselves. They're fending for themselves. Many of them have no moral compass, nothing. This is, there's, no, like, there's no moral compass at all, no form of ethics, no foundation, no one to teach them. Mothers are distracted. Fathers are distracted. They've embraced the ways of the world, and, 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 parent, and kids are, are on, the, on there by themselves trying to figure out life for themselves. And so when there aren't teachers around, if parents aren't around, guess what? Teens begin to recruit their own teachers. And one of the first places they go, instead of to the parents, is they turn to Google. They turn to YouTube, and they turn to the Internet. They turn to TV. They turn to all these places for wisdom, and that becomes their plumb line, their moral compass, and they begin to find things that they agree with emotionally. Hey, this doesn't make me feel bad, so this is now what I believe. This train of thought now agrees and, and, and it basically justifies my behavior. And so this is what I, what I now believe. And now we as youth leaders step into this and we start embracing some of these kids. And what we're finding is they're so desperate for attention. They are so desperate for love. And we have very real conversation with some of our teens. Real conversation where we, we call black, black. We call white, white. We put boundaries up. And we tell them, look, we love you, but we're going to tell you the truth. If you're messing up, we're going to tell you you're messing up. We love you anyway, but we're not going to say it's okay. And we watch kids who you think they'd get upset with us, and they do for a time, but they come back, and they so appreciate something. It's like they grab it on They just want to grab it on something solid, something real that they can hold on to. And if they can find love in that, man, they love the boundaries as well. And I thank God for our leadership team. There's about 10 that are in this group that are phenomenal. And they give their entire Sundays for the, for the youth. And I so appreciate them. But we are encountering this kids raising themselves, teaching themselves. But even in the parents' absence, you can be absent. You cannot be basically present. You may not be pouring into your, into your kids, but you're still teaching them. It amazes me how, how kids who are abused... Or, 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 or they see the abuse of parents, whether, and sometimes parents who abuse you know, drugs or abuse alcohol. And even these kids who they watch their parents, and even they despise what they see their parents doing. If God doesn't intervene, because God can break all of those chains, but if God doesn't intervene, they don't find Christ so many times, they grow up to be the very thing that they despise in their own parents. It happens a lot. My parents were this way. I didn't like them for it, but now I find myself in the same way, the same thing. I have the same habits. And so parents are teaching even when they're not teaching. And the kids are watching their ways and they're imitating what they see. In his book, Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child, Dr. Tim Elmore writes this. He says, a boy named Schickelgruber grew up in Europe about 100 years ago. As a young man, his parents failed to nurture intimacy within him. He was never taught right from wrong. He wasn't hugged or valued. One night, he heard his mom and dad argue about moving away. He was convinced that they had him, that they hated him, and suspected that they were going to leave him behind. And so he put an emotional wall up. From then on, 
He would fend for himself and look out for number one. This boy grew up to be a man. This man grew up to be a leader. And we know him as Adolf Hitler. Parents, when you step out, the world steps in. And in our absence, the world begins to teach. Two weeks ago, my father preached on making disciples. He said, you can't make the wrong disciples. You can't follow the wrong people. The Pharisees had disciples too. And so each of us are making disciples. That's the truth. There are young ears and young minds who are watching. Some may be our children. Some may be other neighbors and other people. And in us, they either see a picture and an image of Christ or they see a picture and an image of the world. And if they see an image of Christ, what they're going to see is someone who lays down their life for other people. They'll see a picture of true love. And as children watch their parents, if they're going to see a picture of Christ, they're going to see a dad who lays down his life for his wife. And a mom who lays down her life for the dad. And parents who lay down their lives, and I don't mean give in, but lay down their lives for the betterment of their children. And if they see a picture of the world, they're going to see a parent who is so focused on himself or herself that is chasing other things besides the betterment of their family and their spouse. And so they're sacrificing other people and almost stepping on other people in order to meet their own needs and gratify their own wants. And thus they are producing disciples of the world. What happens when you make a disciple of the world rather than that of Christ? Dr. Elmo tells us of another story. He talks about a Jewish, a young Jewish boy. He grew up during the 19th century. His father was nominally committed to his faith and character, but only when it was financially profitable for him. When the family moved away, their new town wasn't big enough for a synagogue, and the father decided he would give up on his faith and join some other group where he could network with clients. The young boy never forgot his father's hypocrisy, and he began to see spiritual faith as only a crutch. Money ruled the world. The young boy was Karl Marx. His communist theories have robbed individuals of freedom for almost 100 years. We're teachers. Dads, you're teaching. Moms, you're teaching. There's no such thing as a perfect mom. There's no such thing as a perfect dad. I come face to face with myself all the time. I don't hide my failures. I recognize them. I try and examine myself. I don't like what I see many times, but I am so thankful to a graceful and merciful God that instead of ignoring my failures and pretending that they're not there, that's the greatest thing you can do is say, no, I'm fine. That's when you become a hypocrite. But when you say, okay, God, I don't like what I see. And I know it doesn't make me feel good to read this or to hear this, but God, I want to be more, more like you. Would you forgive me for my sins? Would you forgive me for my failures? And God sets us free. I want my kids not to see a perfect dad and not to see a perfect mom, but to see parents 
that recognize that they are sinful and they need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and to watch us get that forgiveness and to watch how we handle our failures and how we pick ourselves up and how we lean on Christ, I want them to see that in me. I want them to see that in their mom. It's not about being perfect. None of us qualify. But it's about leaning on the one who is perfect and leaning on his strengths and recognizing that in our weaknesses, he is strong. But we have to recognize something here. Moms, dads, families, you're under attack. You're under attack. We're under attack. The world's way of thinking, if it creeps into our lives as Christians, it destroys us. It's destroying marriages. You will not find a marriage that's in trouble when there's a picture of a wife laying down her life for her husband and the husband laying down her life for a wife. You know what? Problems don't exist in a marriage like that. You know where problems creep up? When all of a sudden the focus turns internal. Wait a second. I'm going to start taking care of me. Maybe I, someone struck that. And all of a sudden, then my wife starts going, wait a second, he's taking care of himself. If, if he's taking care of himself, no one's taking care of me. I've got to take care of myself. And the focus drifts from being towards each other to away from each other. And you will never have a marriage that succeeds if that's the way you're going. And your kids will watch that. And so the world says, this is what it's all about. Take care of yourself. And it's destroying families. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying kids. And our kids are dying because of it. And our kids, and listen, there are lots of things that, that deserve being diagnosed and medication. I'm not picking on that. But there's a lot of stuff that comes from failed marriages, from parents who, who, who are neglecting their kids, and kids are walking around incredibly depressed because their parents haven't been parents. And so we diagnose it, and we push it to the side. Oh, it's some condition that they have. It's got nothing to do with the way I am and who I am. Families are under attack. The world's way of thinking is killing and destroying families. You know what's interesting with most wild animals? You'll never find yourself in a more dangerous situation until you get into a place where you're between some mama bear and her cubs. Not the papa bear. The mama bear. And if you find yourself between the mama bear and her children, she doesn't care how many guns you have in your hand, she's going to destroy you because you're not going to destroy her kids. Something comes out in a mom when her kids are threatened. My dad's told me stories in Africa, too, about elephants, the same thing. An elephant cow and her calves, the, 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 the male elephants tend to roam off by themselves. The boy, you're in trouble. If a female, a cow elephant, thinks you're going to hurt her kids, she will kill you. And she'll kill you very, very quickly. The same is true with a good mother. If she thinks she'll hurt her kids, you'll see a soft, gentle mother turn into a weapon of mass destruction. And I love that. And what I want to do this morning is I want to call out those weapons of mass destruction. I want you to realize, moms, to embrace the world's way is to watch the world destroy your families and your kids. Listen, I'm I'm not a mom. That may be a surprise. I'm not a mom. And I can't relate in every single way. Look, I I don't know everything that you go through. And and I know, look, I know kids can drive you crazy. I love my kids, but they can drive you crazy. Being a good mom doesn't mean it's all like, you know, kumbaya all the time. 
You know, sometimes you need to take a break. Fathers, you need to help your wives. You see they're overwhelmed. Try and give them that break. They need that break. It's good for women to be able to get away and go, okay, let me just be me for just, 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 just for a few moments or a day or whatever. That's important. But ladies, don't think less of yourself if you're giving your life away for your kids. There isn't a better thing that you could be doing than that. It's the greatest job you'll ever, I don't care what the world says. No amount of money is worth the life of your children. Children are a gift from God. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world. Don't become like this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Psalms 127, verse 3 says this, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. Your children are a gift from him. Embrace them like the gift that they are. They're the fruit of the womb of a, of, of, of a mother. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I want to talk to those moms struggling, those moms who are at their wits' end, their moms who feel like pulling their hair out right now. Listen, don't give up. Don't give up. I know sometimes you don't have the strength. I know sometimes it's so frustrating. Listen, in your weakness, he is strong. Go to him. Go to him. Ask him for strength. Ask him to help you. Fathers, pay attention to your wives. Love them. Lay your, lay your lives down for your wives. Help them around the house. Do more, and I'm speaking to myself. I'm not innocent of this. But man, let's, let's, let's encourage our wives. Let's, let's take our families back. I don't want the world raising my kids. I don't want the impact and the influence of the world teaching my kids, giving them their moral compass and giving them moral values. I want that to come from me. And God's way, if we embrace his and throughout the world's way, if we actually embrace his way of doing things, I want to say you will see families come back. You will see kids doing better. We have about 18 years with our kids. That's it. We have about 18 years, and it seems like an eternity when they're two or three, right? Like, oh my, is this ever going to end? Are the diapers ever going to stop? Are they ever going to stop crying and, 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 and wanting and needing? And, and oh, there's none, nothing of me left. I want to tell you, at age 18, or, or hopefully they're out of the house by the time they're 27, but, but at the age of 18, right, they, they, they'll go off to school. Courtney's 16 in two more years. I'm dreading it, guys. She was four, like Lori said, when we came here. It goes by so quickly. And you know what I see? I, I see husbands and wives convinced of this, and, and there are elements of this that are true. You need to take care of your family, absolutely. But you've got to be careful of what's taking care of your family and what's taking care of your own wants and desires and filling your own selfish needs. We have our kids for about 18 years. You know what I see? I see parents who are pouring into their jobs and pouring into their careers and justifying by saying, oh, I'm providing for my family, yet they spend no time with their family. They spend no time with their kids. And then at age 18... All of a sudden, well, the kids move out of the house and the bills die down a little bit. And all of a sudden, their dad and mom, empty nest. Not so many bills. And now they're like, okay, I really want to spend time with my kids now. 
And the kids have been watching. And the kids have been learning. And now the kids are too busy for you. They're just doing what they saw mom and dad do. And they're saying, oh, now I've got to spend time, or now I've got to spend time, or, 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 or work so much for my family. And so many times you hear this, you know what, oh, sorry, mom, dad, I don't have time. And you see these parents who go, man, we get it reversed. It's better to be a family struggling for money and to have good quality time and raise your kids than it is to be a family that has everything and have the world raise your kids. Because when you pour into your kids' lives when they're young, you'll have them forever. They'll always want to come back. They'll always be there. I tell Lori, too, we've spent a lot of time. She's worked part-time jobs. She's worked temp jobs. She's worked some full-time jobs. And she, she doesn't have a career that she chases. I'm not against women who have a career, but I'm just saying, don't let that be your God. Don't let that rob you of your family. And I said to her lots of times, you know, Lori, you know, when the kids are out of the house, we'll have plenty of time to work and secure this and secure that if we need to. But right now, I just want to pour in. I want to pour in, and I want to make sure I get every ounce of whatever I can for my family. Guys, I know Mother's Day can be hard for some of you. I don't want you to walk out of here this morning going, oh, boy, never come back to another Mother's Day service again. But here's the thing. In a group like this, there are those of you who are sitting here who are looking at your own lives and saying, you know what, I failed. Man, I could have done this better. Yeah, well, you speak for all of us when you say that. But when you bring those failures to Christ, he forgives you, he sets you free. You don't have to walk out of here in that. There's some of you in here that even now as you think about your moms, your heart twists a little bit. And you become bitter and you kind of go, I wish I knew what that was like. I wish I knew what it was like to have a mom that laid down and provided. I want to tell you, don't let that stay in your heart. Satan will use that to destroy you and to eat you up. Your mom's not perfect. Neither are you. Yes, I know levels of abuses can be so far apart and so high in, in, in some cases. But in the end, we have to learn to say, God, would you help me forgive? Will you help me? It'll set you free. It really will. And then there's mothers who are here who are going, man, I feel like a horrible mom right now. I yelled at my kids this morning. They weren't getting ready. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm this. I'm that. Teenagers, ah, and all of this. Listen. All right? I know your husbands didn't tell me this. I've just been married for a while, right? You know how many times when I get in an argument on the way to church? It happens. It's marriage. It's life. And then I feel like a hypocrite preaching, Right? But this is, this is life. And God says, you know what? Listen, it doesn't make you a bad mom. But you need his strength. You can't do it by yourself. We can be the parents that God has called us to be. We need to recognize where the world is. We need to recognize our enemy and how he operates. And we need to stand up and say, not in my family. Not with my kids. And not on my watch. And I defy what the world says. I will not be that kind of mom. And I will not be that kind of dad. And you're going to mess it all up. And when you do, you bring it back to God and say, God, will you strengthen me? Will you forgive me? Will you help me? And listen, you don't have to be your parents. Maybe your parents failed you. It doesn't mean you have to be like them. God, you, God will help you forgive them, and God will help you be different as well. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to ask some of our deacons to come forward, and I want to open these altars up for prayer. If you're struggling, well, I don't want you to leave out of here struggling. Maybe you're in this place and maybe you had an abortion. And maybe it's been eating you alive. And yes, it's wrong. And yes, it's sin. But come and recognize it and give it to God and allow him to set you free. 
Walk out of here in freedom. Maybe you have a mom and maybe you're bitter towards her. Come and pray and give that to the Lord. Maybe you're a mom and you're tired and you're weak. Come and give it to the Lord and ask Him to strengthen you. And He will strengthen you and He will help you. Would you bow your heads? And as the heads are bowed, will some of our prayer team leaders come forward and join me to pray for people? Lord Jesus, we come before you. And God, there's not one of us here this morning who can stand in our own righteousness. There's not one of us who can stand and say, yes, we represent self-sacrifice and selflessness. We all fall short. We all have sinned. And God, I just pray that this morning that you would take those areas in our lives that we've sinned and that you would forgive us as we present them to you. God, would you set us free from our past failures in parenting? God, would you set us free from bitterness and unforgiveness that we may have towards our parents? God, would you help us to forgive? Lord Jesus, for every mom and every dad that's in this place that finds themselves at their wits end, tired and exhausted, Lord Jesus, would you be their strength? Would you encourage them? Would you lift them up? God, I want to thank you for our moms. I want to thank you for their hearts, for their lives, for their dedication. God, would you strengthen them? Would you bless them? Would you keep them? And would you honor them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. God bless. If you need prayer for anything, please don't leave without us praying with you. Have a great day.